Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about CES and what we think will be hot this year. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. Darren, next month is January. You know what January means? The end of 2018. No, the beginning of 2019. Oh, that's an optimistic way of looking at it. But yeah, it's always the beginning and CES 2019. I'm very excited because this year we're doing CES as a team again. Again, it's going to be awesome. Last year, we got to go and see some amazing drone footage of like fireworks and stuff like that, which was an amp up of the previous years. I want to say that everything at CES is by year. So we have initial technology launch. We have the enhancement of it. And then if they have it a third time, it's because they don't have anything new. It's almost like the TikTok all over again, only from a trade show perspective. Yes, exactly. Hey, you know, since CES is coming up, it might be fun to talk about what is going to be hot at CES this year. What do we think the trends are going to be? Oh, that's and then it. when we do our usual burn down, our, our debrief, we can see if we were even close. Well, let's do a good one then. So, <laughs> okay. Obvious ones, right? Obvious ones. Well, let me start. I think the big hot topic this year is going to be home automation. I mean, there's been a huge push for the Alexa versus the Google, and now Facebook is jumping in with their new screen functionality for communication that's a lot like the Alexa show. We're seeing automation with appliances, the Nest system, home alarms. I mean, it seems like home automation can only get better. And I'm a little bit excited about it. As you know, I've dabbled with the home automation. Yeah. It, well, in the previous years at CES, they've always had, I would say, nuggets of home automation stuff. So they right. would have a company that would say, hey, I have these smart breakers that would go and turn your lights on and off. So it basically turn circuits on and off on your house. And right. it's how you can retrofit old houses to have smart features. Well, and that stuff's gotten really affordable. I mean, let's talk about Black Friday, where it seemed like you could get a smart plug with everything, like buy Alexa, get a smart plug, mm-hmm. buy a toaster, get a smart plug. Well, you I have mean, to. they yeah. were everywhere and cheap and they've gotten smaller. Now, I, I personally can't wait until you can just pull your outlet out and put a smart outlet in so that it doesn't stick out from your wall, but (laughs) it may not be time for that. Well, and some of that is everybody has a home and then you retrofit the smart stuff into it. That's very true. You know, with new construction, assuming that people can actually do new construction nowadays with how much it costs, (laughs) right? you would build some of those smart features into it. But admittedly, we're in a consumer driven world and these consumers don't want to spend any extra money that they can't afford or don't want to afford. So, and I would argue that wireless, especially with the mesh technology has reached the point where you don't necessarily need to have your house pre-fitted if you could do everything with an efficient wireless mesh network or even a, a repeater network. If you're, if you're doing it a little old school, right. And I can't argue with that. However, as Wi-Fi has become more prevalent, we have a lot of Wi-Fi crosstalk and noise and you have like connection issues. If your neighbor has a really powerful Nighthawk or something like that, and right. it's over top of your B that you've had for years, you're going to be connecting to their network over yours or not being able to connect at all. So some of that smart stuff, it's dependent on Wi-Fi, is great because it's great for the retrofit market. But I would like to see new construction sort of Wi-Fi, well, not Wi-Fi, but 
hardwired into the home oh, so that it's, yeah. it doesn't like a, have any of those a true future-proofed network built into your home. And I know a lot of the new construction these days has uh, what we call a smart panel that generally has, uh, you know, your phone and your cable or your yeah. DSL sort of rerouted into all the rooms. And if you're not getting that in new construction, you probably should. But you should also probably be looking at home automation because I'm seeing so many new smart appliances. I'm seeing Alexa integration and, and Google integration in cars. I'm seeing really this emergence of, of competing technologies. Oh, well, the case in point, last year at CES, we went to the Samsung booth, yes. which was huge, by the way. It was freaking awesome. And we got a demo of a smart refrigerator that had basically a tablet on the front, Samsung tablet. Very cool. That would give you a picture of what was inside the refrigerator. And then you could say, hey, I'm using this much milk. You type it on there and it would be able to figure out how, when you're going to be out of it, add it to your shopping list. So when you go shopping, just look at your phone to figure out what you need to buy for your fridge. Well, I know LG has similar products because I've seen them, although the technology for that is still pretty new. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's face it. How long have the uh, robots for vacuuming especially been out and they get oh, the smarter Roomba. and more efficient, the Roombas and, and all the competitors. And even I've had one of those for a while and it maybe is a little bit too soon. But some of the mainstream technology, like the next Nest thermostat, for example, I kind of consider a must-have, the smart thermostats. Oh, yeah. And of course, the the downside of some of that connected technology is like, now Google knows how hot you keep your house. (laughs) Yeah, they do. But it does give you the ability to reach it from remotely, program Mm -hmm. your house, um, and save money. And a lot of states, including ours, are offering rebates if you have those to help cover the cost. I know we kind of already talked about robots a little bit with the Roomba, but that leads me kind of to, I think, the next thing that I expect to see a lot of at CES, and that is drones. Oh, drones have been going on for years at CES. And it turns out, what is it, South 4, Lower or something, something, it's the one that's down the stairs in the South Hall, Mm -hmm. always all drones. It used to not be that way. That was where all the PC hardware was. Yeah. And now it's all drone stuff. I mean, you can get huge drones that can pick you up. You can get drones that are like, oh, these are the new taxis. Going around here. Um, That part's huge. And that was the keynote last year at Intel. That's where they got the fireworks display. Oh, that was so amazing. Let me tell you the dancing of the little micro drones. Yeah. And before that, Intel had the keynote with the drone that would follow you around. So you would be able to do sports videos of you doing tricks and stuff with the drone that says, hey, click this button, follow me. And it would track you as you were going through. Yeah, no, that was one of the technologies that I found most interesting. And we saw commercials. Remember the one that you had the rafter and they would just throw it in the water and it floated and followed you and all that whole stuff. And it kind of just never really happened. Yeah. But this year is is different. In fact, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, some of you that are listening may know that I'm a bit of a sports car fanatic. And I've been kind of excited about the latest Porsche project, um, formerly called Mission E. Mm-hmm. It's the the Taken is the actual official name, and it'll be out in the next calendar year, an actual all-electric 911 replacement, which is kind of a big deal when you consider how iconic a Porsche 911 is. But that's not even really what I wanted to talk about. To come back to drones, it is the first time, and I... I admit I maybe have missed one that's come out in in a different car because I know Mercedes has also announced one. But I do think the Porsche Taken is the first one that has actually shown that it's going to be marketed with a drone option, Dennis. 
I think I saw this video. This is the one where you press a button and you tell the drone to follow you and you can do a canyon carving and it will just kind of video the whole trip. I think that is super cool. Now, of course, yeah. I, again, I'm a bit of a, of a sports car guy and I, and I do own a Porsche in fair disclosure. But um, how cool is it that you can buy a car, an all electric car even, which is a completely different subject. Mm-hmm. And... If you want to, you can just push the button and launch this little bad boy, and it will follow you around while you're doing your driving adventures. And when you're done, you just push a button, and it returns, and you get this great remote video just like you're watching Top Gear or something. Right. And sadly, you go buy a $20 drone, and you can't get the thing to fly. And here's one that's just (laughs) completely computer-controlled from the car. You just press a button. No kidding. Well, you know, and of course, you're going to pay, I'm sure, quite a bit for that option. But I'm excited about it. I mean, I still have a drone at the house that I try to play with that doesn't even have a a stabilizer in it. And I mean, it is work to fly that thing. And yet, my my nine-year-old son has a fully gyroscopic stabilized one that's about the size of his hand that I think we paid 30 bucks for which just goes to show how the drone technology has taken off. Yeah, well, they can do first-person drone now. They do drone races. Oh, gosh, and I, I mean, tell every, you, that is cool. Yeah, every year at CES, you would have the, you could put on the little VR headset, and you could drive the drone around, and they would let you do that, which I thought was pretty darn cool. But all it was was a camera on a drone. Yeah, and, and those have gotten cheap. I mean, you can go to freaking Walmart and get a drone that has a little, I mean, granted, low-resolution VR, but you can... Well, actually pilot it. Yeah, it's low resolution, so you don't spy on your neighbors and stuff. Well, yeah, there is that, and the yeah. cost, of course. Drone racing is so cool. Maybe there'll be drone racing at CES. We should watch for that. I mean, they have the car demos, but we haven't seen really any, I guess, competitive drone-type activity at CES. Yeah. And well, that's not the only kind of robots, because we do see lots of different kinds of robots. But I do think drones is kind of the future there will be a day dennis i think when you won't be able to go outside without the sky being at least partially full of drones yeah that That, kind of saddens me that's going to be terminator time (laughs) yeah i mean the beginning of the end think about it we have the turing ai on the gpu so we have this huge neural network on the on the internet nvidia controls the driver so what's to keep them from actually just using all of our gpus that we aren't gaming battlefield 5 right to go and control these drones that will then go and take over humanity and protect us from ourselves. Well, Intel has been working on that cloud technology, and yeah. those Firefly drones were pretty slick. They were, and all they have to do is add missiles to them. Oh, wait, that's the Reaper. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Full danger, circle. Full danger, circle. Danger, danger. Well, okay, so maybe we've talked home automation and drones, but from a more gaming perspective, uh, of course, uh, we've talked a lot about the monitors and, and TVs becoming cheaper, monitors especially the the technology and last CS we talked quite a bit about how the monitors were starting to get uh, bigger yeah. wide screens higher resolution wide screen the big thing I mean of course when 4K came out right it was they took two 1080Ps and stuck them together to do that they had to have the controller run at half the speed so instead right. of being at 60 hertz they were at 30 hertz and that was the big degrading thing from 4K now the controller technology has gotten more better i guess is the way you would say that <laughs> well yeah more efficient at least more efficient yeah so you know you can do 4k at 60 hertz for a lot of people that's still not enough and a lot of games and computer programs don't support 4k so people are still stuck at 1080p and really for a desktop pc that's all anyone really needs but that isn't what a gamer 
wants. No, of course not. Because the more, game. faster, better, right? Right. So we want widescreen. We yes. want 144 hertz, maybe at 200. At least. At least, or 240 hertz. We want backlighting enhancements. We want... Um, Oh, what was the response one response times, man? You got to get that less than what one millisecond. I mean, oh yeah, gray to gray, less than a millisecond. True black, blah blah blah. Yeah, HDR. That's the other. Oh yeah, HDR finally hitting computer monitors. I don't know if I've missed it, but uh, I'll well, take it. Well, and some of the monitors had built-in 3D. Although that's kind of died. 3D is really just kind of out these days, which is it's so disappointed, but. I think it's gotten replaced by something, though. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll talk about that in a minute because I yeah. think I know where you're going. Yes. And let's see. Oh, um, all-in-one PCs are actually making a comeback. So I guess, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the uh, the YouTube generation or something that doesn't know how to build a PC or something. Isn't that the truth? Well, I think some of that is the influence of Apple, right? We've taught a whole new generation that yeah, you have Apple to replace your product every generation instead of upgrading it. Right. So we have... Yeah, it really is Apple. So we have Dell. We have um, boutique builders like CyberPower PC and um, Digital Storm. We have those people that are building these super, super high-end computers for people that have more money than know how to use their hands. Oh, yeah. But now we're having down-market, uh, what I would say, down-market manufacturers. And by down-market, I mean manufacturers that are building components, you know, like motherboards and video cards and stuff, namely MSI, Gigabyte, Zotac. Asus that are building all-in-one PCs now to sell as a gaming product that has all of their stuff that they make all in the same box. Well, and the good news is that they finally figured out that there's an enthusiast market for this. I mean, I've seen, I want to say it was 34. It could have been a 38-inch curved all-in-one. I know. That's crazy. I, I have a picture when I did a CyberPower PC visit in LA. It was a prototype that they were putting together widescreen mini ITX motherboard, full size, full everything. And it was supposed to be a widescreen all-in-one that they were selling. The problem was the components were not small enough and efficient enough to make it <laughs> worthwhile. It gotta, kept Got to make it fit. It kept overheating was the problem. So now we have mobile series components, like what you would see in your laptop or your little mini super, super small PCs right. that have the same power as the desktop stuff of that generation that makes that sort of a system more efficient. Well, all-in-ones, who knew? But hey, I couldn't help but notice CES Keynote this year is a little different. Now, last year we talked about Intel, and I've already talked about the thing that most wowed me, which of course was the the drones. Fireworks. But they had a lot of cool stuff there. But this year, AMD has scored the Keynote. Yeah. Um, Lisa Sue, I think is her name. Right. So there's been a lot of speculation about what AMD will release. And that's kind of fun to talk about because, of course, you got to save some great fancy news for the keynote because, you know, why not? Why not? Well, yeah, this is the first time that AMD has done the keynote, which is pretty darn epic. AMD has also made some pretty serious waves in the technology they've released with the Zen cores and the Ryzen and Threadripper right. stuff. And then we also have... Uh, what is it, the Nano or something like that for the new uh, GPU stuff? Uh -huh. So the rumor mill, a bit strong around AMD's keynote. So, yeah, the, the rumor mill is saying that they're going to release the, what was it, the third generation Ryzen chips? Yeah. It's supposed to be like 24 cores and 96 cores and 
Some, something with onboard graphics and not onboard graphics, but I don't know how that works, but okay. New new processors, new video cards, maybe both, but the most exciting rumor, and maybe we'll link to it, but maybe it's more speculation, yeah. is that they're finally going to release video cards that will rival the 1070, 1080, and even maybe the 2070, 2080 products. And the prices that are out there are pretty impressive if they're real. You mean to tell me? that AMD slash ATI is going to release a video card that is not a rebranded old card? It seems like new architecture could be on the horizon, or at least finally a fully released Threadripper. Who knows? Well, Threadripper is a GPU. That, oh, that would be cool. Uh-huh. It'd be freaking huge is what it would be. It would be, but can you imagine the scalable architecture if they were doing the Threadripper design on video cards, sky could be the limit. Mm-hmm. But multi-threading on a video card isn't really the way to get things done. So, oh, oh, actually, it is, just not in the traditional sense that we see on the desktop. Oh, really? What do you think? Well, the, we talked about the, the Titan RTX in the previous episode. Yes. Be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. Every one of those CUDA cores that we talked about is a little tiny processor. True. The, the CUDA core is that. So we have over 4,000 of them on a GPU. That's where we can process multiple scenes and parts of a scene within a GPU as fast as we possibly can. Right. The problem is you can't do that on the desktop, which is why we started adding more cores because it has to handle different instruction sets. A GPU just has to handle video. It has to handle physics processing and stuff like that. So it's very specialized. That's why they can pack so many of them in there. The scalability from the ATI AMD's camp it was one reason why AMD cards were very popular with miners because they had like 10,000 cores or something crazy like that. All right. Well, now they can just keep scaling and scaling and scaling. Interesting. So that, I think, is the power right there. That could be. And if they can keep the heat under control, they could be a real thing. I wonder if they will. I will do ray tracing. Oh, yeah. I'd certainly like to get my ray tracing for less than 1200 bucks. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they will do ray tracing better where they have an add-on card and you just add it to the PC. Well, one of the other rumors from AMD that seems to have a little bit stronger legs, so maybe a safer guess, is that they're going to announce the partnerships with the next generation consoles, which would be whatever the next Xbox is and whatever the next PlayStation 5 is. Yeah, that'll be huge too. And there have been rumors for a while that they're going to be placing a custom uh, design CPU GPU combination at least in the PlayStation 5. Oh yeah. So, it'll probably be Cell 4.0 AMD edition. Something like that, but yeah. it'd be nice to see those finally get up to 4K or better, maybe 3D. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads me to I think where you were going and that is that I'm expecting to see a, a replacement re- of 3D Vision. <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. Well, and maybe the true answer is yes, because I'm really expecting one of the hot things to be virtual reality this year. Oh, VR. Now, we've seen VR at CES before, and, yep, and we've even well. done some demos, and they've been pretty slick. And let's face it, even locally at the Boise Land and at the Hackfort, we've seen uh, VR demonstrations, and they're a lot of fun. But the technology hasn't really been advancing very quickly. No. And I know this because I've kind of been looking to buy a set. Oh, which one were you looking at? Tell me. Oh, that is a difficult question to answer and maybe a fun story in itself. Uh, as we're going to record on this, uh, it's almost Christmas here, and I thought, well, maybe this is the year to put a little virtual reality in the house. 
You mean it's after Christmas by the time this comes out. Well, that's true. Yeah. But I'm not spoiling anything by saying that it didn't happen. But let's, <laughs> I, I want to talk about it a little bit because there are a few days for me to change my mind. And those of you that have listened to the podcast know that sometimes I can be a little impulsive. And yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. It, All right. So basically, there's three major players out there in the VR market. We got Oculus, we got HTC, and we got the PlayStation, which I, I'm surprised that they don't have a Microsoft version. But... Maybe they well, do. Microsoft has the augmented reality thing, which sort of uh, exists, but sort of doesn't. At least I'm not really sure you can buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Existing meaning that you can buy it. Well, yeah. And the videos are certainly cool. And I think that, um, yeah, let me come back to that because I think there's a future there that's worth discussing. But Right. Um, so Oculus, we all know Oculus because of uh, John Carmack. And the Kickstarter. And the Kickstarter, meaning that they were the first ones to do it. And I commend them because they actually launched this whole VR market. And their product is good. We've seen it. We've used it. Mm -hmm. The demos are fun. But the games themselves, still kind of in an infancy. Yeah, but that's changing relatively quickly. Yeah. So in terms of, well, the, let's see. The benchmark that I would look at for a VR headset would be... Um, how good are the graphics? Right. And the controls are about the same. I, I, I yeah, would, and I think I would tell you that the controls are kind of the weakest spot, at least with the PlayStation VR. Yeah, it's because it's supposed to all be about immersing yourself into the, the game or whatever you're playing. So you have right. an audio system that nobody ever talks about because you got headphones on top of your That's because VR some are integrated and some are not. So, I mean, in theory... You could bring really good headset if you wanted to provide that kind of bulk to yeah. what you're already wearing, which even when I say it doesn't sound as exciting, <laughs> but uh, it, it is an option. All right. So in terms of visuals, we have the latest Oculus. It looks like it's at 2K, 2160 by 1200 at a 90 hertz refresh rate. So that that's the rift that we're talking about. So there's talk that there will be a new one, but it's still just talk. Yeah, and then we have the Vive, which has always been the technology leader, however, not as popular due to the whole Oculus being locked into certain games and those games only being available there. So there are two different Vives on the market, which is sort of something people don't always remember. There's the regular Vive, mm -hmm. and then there's the Vive Pro. Now, the regular Vive is considered lower grade than the Oculus, but the Vive Pro is really driving the market, and it really kind of should be right. because it's much more expensive. Well, you know, we're enthusiasts. We shouldn't care too much about expense. <laughs> it's still cheaper than a 2080, I guess, for the whole setup, which is kind of scary now that I think about it. Yeah. Well, it replaces that $400 monitor you got to buy, right? Oh, and I think we should... Oh, let me come back to that because I want to talk about specs a little bit more and the whole purchasing process here. Okay. So the Vive Pro, we have this one listed at 2880 by 1600, considerably more resolution, more pixels which means that you have to have a more powerful video card to uh -huh. run this thing. And 90 hertz refresh, which is pretty good considering that science says that the average human does about 60. You know, give or take. Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to get Twitter hate from that one. Yeah, we are. And of course, I'm sure there's somebody with a YouTube channel that talks about it in great detail. And yep, and so. because they are, you know, doctors and bio, <laughs> I... Uh, technology, they can say, ah, blah, blah, blah. but that doesn't change the fact that you want the best refresh rate that you can get, of course, for and, your money. And that's what's important. Mm -hmm. So we have 90 Hertz at 2880 by 1600, which means that you need to have probably two thirds more powerful 
GPU to run this thing because of the higher refresh rate right. and higher pixel density. Well, that's the hidden cost of the VR headsets is that you have to have the machine to drive it. And as an example, the, the Oculus really recommends a 1050 or a 1060 tie as the minimum, depending on which site you look at. And yeah, that's probably the 1080 version of the Oculus. Yeah, that's true. And the, the Vive Pro, I've heard, uh, will work on those machines, but it really requires more. Yeah. So the next one, PlayStation VR, now which the, these ones just hook into the PlayStation, right? Yeah, no, I think this is the most accessible VR out there. And in fact, it may be the most popular. I don't know if there's a sales number out there, but it is right now the best-selling VR headset on the market. Now, a couple interesting things during my research of the PlayStation VR, they stealth refreshed it sometime in 2018. Mm. And so depending on where you purchase it, you might be getting a revised edition, which is significantly better, but it's really difficult to find out why and how. Because oh, uh, yeah. they haven't published those things. What I'm hearing is slightly better refresh rate, um, better construction, but the price is the same. So be careful if you're looking at a PSVR. But maybe the biggest challenge of the PSVR is that it relies very heavily on your PlayStation. Now let's talk specs first, though, because I see that. Yeah. So specs-wise, we're 1080p at 1920 by 1080 but it is at 120 hertz. Yeah, which is really impressive, especially when you consider the age of the PlayStation right now because mm -hmm. we've already talked about PlayStation 5 rumors. And if I'm hearing correctly, the next PlayStation 5 should be out for Christmas 2020, which sounds like it's a long ways away, but when you consider that it's going to be 2019 in just a few days, if not by the time you hear this. Right. So, yeah, the 1080p basically is going to be hardware match with the PlayStation. Yes. That's the important thing to note. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Vive and the Oculus are going to be hardware match with whatever your PC is going to be. And that needs to be, you know, north of a 1060. Right. But the advantage is... If you already own a PlayStation, you're probably all right. If you have a PlayStation Pro, you're even better. And in fact, I would tell you that everything I've said recommends that if you're going to do PlayStation VR, you need a PlayStation Pro. Now, the good news is that there are a lot of used video game places that will take your current PlayStation 3 and maybe even have a used PlayStation Pro in stock. All right. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. What does all this have to do with CES, though? Oh, yes, CES. Well... You know, last year at CES, we saw some pretty cool TV technology. We saw a 108-inch monster, biggest yes. TV ever. ever. And we saw even maybe cooler, an 8K TV, which kind of shows you the future of OLED TV. Yeah. The, the funny thing about the 8K, though, was like it was just in one booth, and it was in one spot, and they didn't really have anybody around it. It was just kind of omniscient, whatever, pedestal just in the booth. Well, it just goes to show that in general, people think bigger is better because that was what, about 65 inches, 70 inches, and somehow yeah. that was not cool enough to attract a lot of press. Yeah. However, the uh, the woozy tunnel thing, not the tunnel of love, but the tunnel of... Uh, uh, the tunnel of TVs, that was amazing. Yeah, that was cool. Sadly, pictures and video don't do that justice, but I got to tell you, mm -hmm. virtual reality is going to make TVs obsolete. And oh. I think this might be the CES to start that process from happening. You mean I won't be able to buy an 8K TV? Oh, wait. I'll <laughs> probably have an 8K TV two inches from my skull. You know, that is what I'm hoping that we see at CES this year is a new bloom in higher resolution VR goggles. I think there needs to be competition for the Vibe Pro and the Oculus Rift. Mm -hmm. I think that when you really think about it, by the time our kids are grown maybe even... 
uh, the experience will be different. Maybe even Microsoft has it right with their augmented reality. I think that our children, or at least their children at the very least, will have a completely different TV experience than we do that doesn't involve a big screen TV. Now, I'll be fair. I have a giant TV, and I know you do too. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it replicates the theater Movie. experience, yes, which we both love. Yep. But our kids have grown up on YouTube and and Twitter and all these little tiny screens, and yep. they don't really relish that big screen experience as much as I do. They, and you do. Yeah, they don't understand the waiting in line for a half hour to get in to get the perfect seat in the theater to watch the movie when it first came out and having that full surround sound experience. Well, and I'm not going to say my kids don't enjoy time at the movies, but they also enjoy finding new stuff on Netflix or Hulu or even on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I think that experience more accurately translates to a VR headset. Think about it, Dennis. Yeah. You walk into your room, you want to watch TV. There is no TV. You simply put on your hopefully lightweight and wireless VR goggles that yep. have been charging on their nice accessible station. Mm-hmm. You put them on and you tune in the channel. And then, you know, whoever you're watching TV with hits their old sync button. They're watching the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I really think that there's going to be this full 3D experience that you can sit on yourself or even maybe walk around in the TV show while it's happening. Who knows? Wouldn't that be cool? We saw a little bit of that at the Intel keynote, I might add, last year. So you're saying that I could go into like two and a half men and smack Charlie in the head. Well, I'm not saying that you could necessarily interact with them. Well, I know, but you can do that in like those other movies in VR. So maybe. Yeah, but... I, I can see it, though. We have the, the full 3D experience because of the goggles. Right. Because they're on your head. And then we have 7.1 Atmos whatever sound from the headphones that's right. interpolated because that's on your ears. Full 360-degree view. Yeah. Maybe you can walk around in it. Yeah, or, or maybe it's just a virtual 100 and, or 200-inch uh, television in front of you. And when you turn, you turn away from it, and now you see the kitchen. I could easily see an experience, and and this is maybe even like Ready Player One had a similar version of this, right? Where you could, you know, tune in and tune out what was in the background, almost like a transparent overlay, right? Yeah. And so maybe even the technology gets good enough that you can push the button and you can see the other virtual people in your living room inside the scene with you, and you can experience it together. Wow. And I really think that this is the future, Mm -hmm. that... Big TVs, huge surround sound stuff, as much as I love it, and believe me, I do because I think it's so great, is something that our children will think is an anachronistic holdout to the old days of the movie theaters. And why can't we embrace this wearable technology? Why do we need a TV on the wall? I think that's where we're headed. And I'm hoping to see some of that direction at CES this year. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been an Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.